0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and as always, i got my co-host. He with me. What's up, man? How was your weekend?
1: My weekend was great. Your boy got himself a nice new microphone. My velvety tones are going to be nice and crispy. Welcome to the Game Point ASMR Pod.
0: <laughs> well, you fancy, huh? <laughs> oh, man. We big time now. We're definitely up. Once we both got mics, it's a different wave. That's all I can tell you. But um so far, it's been good on my end. I mean, stayed in as everybody should and caught the Super Bowl, of course. Not going to lie. It was kind of disappointing considering the hype we've had heading towards the game. But just to give a little recap, I mean, Tampa Bay owned that game from start to finish, like I mentioned last week. So Tom Brady, once again, proving the fact that he's the undisputed GOAT, which hurts need to say but seven rings it's always seems crazy to me so i don't know if you had uh, your take on the super bowl uh
1: yeah our predictions were horrible uh, i think we both took kc if i'm not mistaken yeah. uh we should not this is why we don't have a football podcast ladies and gentlemen we talk basketball here because we were both way off kc got mollywopped by the bucks uh, it just was not an enjoyable experience on on any account whatsoever
0: Oh, without a doubt. So, I mean, let's just stick to what we do best, which is talking hoops. We got a few things to discuss today. Let's get the show on the road. Drop the beat. week's edition of Run That, we got a couple questions that we would like to discuss. The first question that we want to debate on is, what the hell is going on with the Mavs? As we can see, the Mavs are clearly struggling early in the season. Is there a chance they can turn things around? So uh, I'm going to turn this over to you, Yazin, if you want to chime in.
1: Yeah, we both kind of thought that the Mavs would be a pretty good team this year, and we both had Luka Doncic as our MVP uh, in the preseason, uh, and it's just not coming together as quickly as we thought they would uh they're currently 14th in the west so they're not the worst team by a long shot but when you have luka Doncic, you'd expect them to to be competing uh you know we saw them against uh golden state and they somehow survived the 57 point barrage by steph curry just an oh, unbelievable showing yeah just i mean he, i think he had shot 11 for 18 from three like he was just On point as he has been all season, but Luca stood there and took it blow for blow. And you know, he I think he put in uh, over 40 points and he had a clutch three near the end. But the problem for me is that the Mavs just don't have enough support for Luca. I know we've We've kind of discussed my feelings towards KP, but in all seriousness, I just I don't think he's a second fiddle. He's not a complimentary guy to that point. I mean, his plus minus this year has, has been pretty brutal. And I've just been watching a lot of tape of him on defense. And when he was on the Knicks, this guy was a shot blocker. He, you know, really defended that paint area like no one else could. I think what happened is his injuries has kind of gotten to him. He kind of second guesses himself on the floor. He, He doesn't rotate well. He doesn't move laterally very quickly. And that's what happens when you have two debilitating knee injuries. So KP is not living up to the hype he's not living up to expectations Uh, and Luca can't do it on his own so can they turn it around I think that they definitely have what it takes to make it into the playoffs you know they do have a lot of ground to make up you know I think they're about three and a half games behind uh, eighth place but they will make it interesting but I don't think they go much farther than that
0: yeah I don't know just getting back to your KP point do you think that perhaps the reason why he is struggling, obviously injuries is a big deal, but when it comes to where he's playing on a positional level, I mean, when he was with the Knicks, maybe you might be able to kind of chime in on this from what I remember, he was playing the five, but with Dallas, he's playing the four with Willie Colley Stein starting at the five, I believe. So I don't know with regards to spacing and rotation, if that is, the reason why he is struggling, you know, dealing with quicker guys at the four rather than just playing them at the five. So I just wanted to kind of talk about that to see maybe that's a root cause for his struggles. Yeah. I, he's So when he played on the Knicks, yeah, he did spend a lot of time at the five
1: role. Uh, Carmelo was still there uh, towards uh, the sort of latter half of his uh, tenure with the Knicks and Carmelo primarily played at the at the four spot. Uh, yeah. He's getting beat off the ball by, by, by power forwards who were, uh, you know at the three point line and really stretching him out, he doesn't have what it takes to move and catch quicker guys anymore. He just doesn't you know when when you have two horrible knee injuries like that, you know your rotation your your lateral quickness is just not there anymore, and when they're playing him at the four. And he's having, I mean, Draymond Green is out there at the the three point line. You have guys like Anthony Davis who will stretch the floor and it'll cause him, he's going to be that the fish, he's going to be the fish out of water and teams are realizing that he's the fish out of the water and he, and they're attacking him. Uh, So even moving him to the four, it's, it's not, it's not what's best for him. I think he should stay down low at the five and just try and defend the paint, not move around as much. Just be a shot blocker again, uh, and have confidence in his defense, which was his hallmark when he was on the Knicks. But now it's he's really the, a shell of what he used to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, um, when it comes to the Mavs right now, I'm still gonna stick with them. I mean, the season is still somewhat early, and they still got Luka Doncic. At the end of the day, like, I mean, he's a. I don't care what anybody says; he's still a top five player to me at this point. I think right now they're still trying to figure things out. Obviously, they've dealt with COVID issues early in the season with key rotational players being in and out of the lineup every so often. I'm aware that you can get really lost in the sauce in the West if you don't string up wins. But again, like you mentioned, they are about two and a half, three games behind eighth spot right now and in one game behind the play tournament. So mind you, there's still like five teams in the mix between them and the eighth spot. But hey, that's the West for you. So that's what you should expect being in the Western Conference However, I will say that they might be the scariest eighth seed if they do end up sneaking into the playoffs for any top team in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. But to wrap things all up, I think they'll be fine. It's just a matter of just getting things fine-tuned a bit. And obviously, if the Mavs front office can get some scoring help with Luka Doncic, I feel like that that may impel them to another level. But I feel like Luka, by himself, is good enough to get them into the playing tournament at the very least. Uh, and then the low seed, uh, the seventh or eighth spot. In oh the west. yeah,
1: hundred percent. I, I think they have a lot of short term potential, but given that they kind of mortgaged a lot to get KP, they they sent a lot of first rounders out there. I, I don't know what their long term potential looks like, you know. Uh, so at the end of the day, can they make it to the playoffs? Absolutely. But it's it is the wild wild west right now. Uh, you, you know, those lower seeds are still above five hundred, unlike in the Eastern Conference. Uh, So there's a lot of competition that they're going to have to go against. And, you know, they lost, I think, six or seven in a row just about a week or two ago. You can't string those kind of losses in a shortened season. This is a shortened season. So every game really matters. Uh, Is this um, Golden State game indicative of a turnaround? I don't think fully. I think they make it competitive, but I don't see if they make it to the playoffs, they're not going to be coming out the first round. I
0: don't think. Oh, without a doubt. And the only thing that's kind of keeping me close with the Mavericks is KP's play from last year, even though I know that he ended it with a pretty bad knee injury, I believe. Uh, But he was playing pretty well for Luca's skill set as a second fiddle up to that point where if he were to still play against that Clippers in that series, I feel like the Clippers may have been bounced out of the first round if that's the case. So I mean, I'm still gonna stick with it and see how things go. Obviously, there's a lot of time with regards to what the front office can do in terms of adding additional scoring, as I mentioned. And again, the West and conference is literally a bloodbath. So I guess we'll see how things go. With that being said, we'll go over and uh, speak about the second question of Rundat. Let's talk about those Jazz, they'd be going crazy. Again, they leapfrogged into the first in the West and string up wins against quality opponents. Are the Jazz contenders or pretenders? So I guess I'll start off with that. I really like the way the Jazz roster is constructed currently. I mean, they got all types of players that you can think of, right? You got your number one option in Donovan Mitchell. They got an elite big in Rudy Gobert. They got shot makers in Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich. They got a steady point guard in floor general in Mike Conley. Then you got defensive weapons like Royce O'Neal. And then again, the potential sixth man of the year in Jordan Clarkson. They have it all despite lacking superstars, and they're one of the most well-rounded teams in the NBA. Now, we've definitely seen this story before, primarily with the Nuggets, right? You got your deep team, but no playoff resume and disappointment every year. And I get that. They have guys like Bogdanovich now and others because they didn't really have them in the bubble last year. But I got to see them go deep in the playoffs to be considered a threat at this point. They got that good old regular season raptor syndrome so i'm gonna kind of hold my horses there obviously the regular season uh success is cute right now but i wouldn't say they're either pretenders or contenders i think it's more of a wait and see approach on my end how about you
1: yeah uh i mean <laughs> i love this question because I- i'm kind of trying to look at it from a shack point of view and a non-shack point of view you uh,
0: the greatest of the universe
1: Shaq doesn't think that Donovan Mitchell has it. You know, he doesn't think that he's uh, a a franchise guy and he doesn't think that he can take him over the hump. And I tend to kind of agree a little bit. I haven't seen everything out of Donovan Mitchell that I want to see. And this also could be a case kind of like the Mavs where, you know, is his supporting cast really enough to sort of propel him uh, and, and propel the jazz. So they are one of the best defensive teams, They're third right now in the league in uh, points allowed at 105.7. They're second in the league in point differential, which means they're scoring at a high clip and they're defending really well. Um, you know, they're playing really well with one another. They have a hot streak going. They've won 15 out of 16 games, which is, is really, really quite impressive. Against quality Uh, teams mind you I mean they've beaten the Warriors they've beaten the Nuggets uh, they've beaten uh, the Hawks they've beaten the Bucks so are they contenders or pretenders when you're comparing superstars in the Western Conference where does Donovan Mitchell lie and I think that's the key is that you know when it comes to winning a championship, you need that bona fide superstar, number one, all NBA kind of guy. You know, you've seen it with the Lakers, with LeBron. You saw it with the Raptors, with Kawhi. You saw it, you know, with, with teams just having ultimate game-changing superstars. Where does Donovan Mitchell rank there? And if if we think he ranks in the top 10, top 5, then maybe, yeah, contenders. But if we don't, then he's going to get canceled out Uh, by some of these you know bigger superstars and we might not see them go far so it remains to be seen I I lean towards a pretender right now because you know I I don't see Donovan Mitchell as you know when you name the top guards I mean last week we even looked at our top all-star picks he wasn't he wasn't either of our starting guard when when you're not even at that level it's hard to think that you can take your team to the next level.
0: No, I definitely agree there, and I mean, there's a lot to prove. I feel like there's a lot that Utah needs to show in the playoffs. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell did have a fantastic playoff uh, last year, right, with um, all the the various 45, 50-point games going head-to-head with Jamal Murray, right? So that was something that I saw some promise in as a development of a young star in this league, but Time will tell. And again, we need to really see what the Utah Jazz can do against like a tough team, especially when they head towards the second round, if they were to stay in the top four in the West, playing the likes of the Lakers, the Clippers, the Denver Nuggets when they get there, you know what I mean? So I I really got to see what they can do. But as of right now, I'm going to stay right dead center in the middle until I see otherwise.
1: Yeah, and like you know, when when you're comparing superstars, that's that's how you win championships nowadays. Is with is with superstars, and and Donovan Mitchell is a hundred percent a superstar. But to what degree are we are we judging his greatness? Is he you know a LeBron James Giannis type player, or are we kind of lowering him to you know uh, Jamal Murray Devin Booker like not there yet superstar? That's that's going to be the key for me.
0: Agreed. So. Let's just hope that the Utah Jazz can make some noise in the playoffs this year, and hopefully they can be part of my contender good book. So with that said, we'll go ahead with our final question within Rundat, and that is D. Rose back in New York. The trade was made on Sunday, acquiring the former MVP from Detroit for Dennis Smith Jr. and draft compensation. What is your initial thoughts on this trade?
1: Yeah, uh, this is a, a deal that I, I've kind of seen in the making for, for a while. Uh, you know, New York journalists have have reported on Tom Thibodeau's interest in Derrick Rose and really just a lot of former players that he used to coach, like Todd Gibson. This trade is very low bandwidth. It's very low risk. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. was not in the rotation. In fact, he was sent down to the G League bubble because he requested it. He wasn't getting any playing time. He wasn't showing anything. And to the you know, for the Knicks to get off of him and upgrade him with D Rose, who D Rose is still having a pretty decent year in that abysmal Detroit Pistons team where he's averaging 14 points a game. You know, he's he's leading that team in the absence of Killian Haynes. Uh, you know, he's still showing his worth. So they they moved on from Dennis Smith Jr. and upgraded to Derrick Rose. And they gave away a 2021 second round pick via Charlotte, which is probably not going to be much higher than in the 40s. But, you know, all things considered, it's one of their, It's I think it might be their worst second round pick because they have a, a bevy of second round picks moving forward. I am okay with the deal on one condition, uh, that it doesn't affect the play of Emmanuel quickly. Uh, he's already kind of getting short changed on his minutes, you know, in favor of Alfred Payton, who is still probably the worst point guard and starting point guard, at least
0: in the league right now. I don't understand uh, why they keep playing him. I, I don't get it At either Satan. like I like he's so to me he's so washed like I mean he had that those high hopes back when he was drafted by the Orlando Magic and then hasn't really panned out and I don't know why the the New York Knicks is still giving him an opportunity while they got other young guys in the trench willing to you know get their feet wet and you know start to build their program so uh yeah I don't know to be honest
1: I think it's it's two things it's uh, number one, they want to balance the young guys and the vets. Uh, that's kind of Thibodeau's, you know, his mantra. He, he's a very hard-nosed coach. Like, you got to earn your your keep there. Uh, and the other thing is, I think they're trying to maybe up his trade value. Uh, now that you bring in Derrick Rose, uh, you have some pieces that you can maybe shuffle around and get a first out of it. I mean, if people think that Alfred Payton is a good, solid backup point guard for a playoff contending team or championship team, Maybe they part ways with a, a high second or a low first. Austin Rivers, we saw what he did against uh, Utah in both games. Uh, he, he really went off. And, you know, some of the other games he hasn't really played well, but he's on a very friendly contract. Three years, $9 million, uh, you know, $3 million a year. That could possibly be a, a great six-man addition for a championship team too. So that's what I kind of take from this trade, and I'm hoping – that it happens, you know, upgrading Derek Rose, and, you know, hopefully shipping out either Peyton or Rivers, you know, and allowing quickly to kind of still cook and learn from Derek Rose. I mean, goodness gracious, he was a former MVP, like, you know, Thibodeau coached Derek Rose in his best years in Chicago. So uh, having Derek Rose there will definitely help in quickly's uh, development could also help him get him into the playoffs, you know, having a point guard who can kind of take over. He's still relatively good. I, I don't think Derek Rose is completely washed. You won't you won't get that from me. Uh, he's revitalized his career a little bit recently. So, all in all, I'm I'm in agreement with this trade. I I have no qualms about it.
0: Yeah, the one thing I like about it is that the fact that the Knicks can start making some moves like you mentioned. I feel like Austin Rivers would be the perfect candidate to ship off, you know, based off the value that he's able to generate over the short season and then being a great addition to a a playoff caliber team i mean that's that's something that the knicks really got to consider just use this as an opportunity to showcase your skill sets with these players and then try to get value out of that because at the end of the day the team is rebuilding and it's better off that they get as much assets as possible with a lot of these short term deals that they've offered during the offseason and then see where things go so with that said I I really want to point out, I'm not really sure what's up with Tom Thibodeau and not letting go of the past for some reason. I mean, Derrick Rose is always going to be a feel good story, but I feel like that ship has sailed. I don't know if he's trying to find a situation where he can revive the MVP caliber Derrick Rose. But again, I don't think that's the case. (laughs) I hope (laughs) so. I hope so. Yeah. I don't think that's the case, but I see Derrick Rose being a very valuable vet for, you know, some of the young folks within the Knicks organization in terms of, you know, building that culture and obviously someone that is closely related to Tom Thibodeau and you obviously got a guy like Taj Gibson as well which I'm still confused as to why the Knicks signed them. But again, I've got to stay good. I, I got about a week left with this Knicks talk that I made with oh, you. Anyway, I've,
1: so. I'm, I'm glad we brought this up and we've talked about this whole topic <laughs> and you haven't slandered them once. I know you have yeah. some bad things you want to say about this deal, but you're going to have to keep quiet. Um, yeah. I definitely, yeah, you know, Thibodeau has his guys. Thibodeau always has had his guys. Gibson, Rose, their locker room presence, their mentorship, Gibson mentoring Mitchell Robinson, Rose mentoring the guards there quickly. Uh, Barrett and you know he wants to compete now. He's always said that, despite it it being a rebuilding team, which it is. He wants to compete now, and he has them competing now. He has them at you know eleven and fourteen, which isn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it's in playoff contention. Uh, you know he has an All Star in in Julius Randle. and you know it's not all just about all right. Let's just collect. All the assets and and tank and he's not a tanking coach and he's never been a tanking coach he never will be a tanking coach so it's going he's going to have to strike that balance and I think they're doing a good job right now in getting a team together right now that can push for the playoffs and also manage some of these assets to to move you know them for picks in the future uh, sign them all to very very cap friendly deals. Uh, and try to compete now and earn more more picks for the future, and and see what happens. Where where you go from there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, mind you, I I do like the deal for New York, right? Obviously, Smith Jr. wasn't even in the in the rotation to begin with. Like you said, he was in the G League, and the fact they were able to flip him for a guy that can not only be a veteran presence but can also still has some juice left in the tank there with in terms of scoring and being able to be that floor general and you know coming from that background of being an MVP being in really tough playoff games and playoff series I feel like that that's really good for the young guys who again you know the Knicks are in playoff contention at this point those are the type of guys you like to have in your roster once playoff time comes around I do like the move The one thing I will say, like you said, with uh, Tom Thibodeau always liking his guys, what are the chances that Jokum Noah ends up coming back? Because I would not be surprised if they somehow find a way to bring him back. Oh, come on, man this counts as you no know, you see ben gordon coming out of retirement no you see brad miller coming back and how dare you <laughs> next thing you know, this, you ca- this
1: counts <laughs> no this counts as nick slander you brought the name know, joe no, keep no, Noah no. up <laughs> joe keep Noah is still getting paid by the knicks mind you okay he's oh, still God. his salary is still on the payroll and you brought up his name how how dare you hey joe hey Kip...
0: technically technically i'm roasting tom thibodeau not the knicks Again, just seeing the guys like Tosh Gibson, which I believe should not have a job in the NBA right now.
1: Damn!
0: Oh, wow. The, qu- the real question is, will Tom Thibodeau be that guy and bring other guys from that legendary Bull squad back in like 2011, 2012 to try to make things happen? Oh, I mean, hey, if he brought
1: Luol Deng back, I, I don't know <laughs> if I would say no to that. Oh, man. yeah, Brian Scalabrine? Omar Ashik, I mean... Oh,
0: legend Omar Ashik. Holla at your
1: guy. boy, CJ Watson. <laughs> Rip Hamilton, mask and all,
0: please. Oh, bro. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Uh, I guess we'll see what Tom Toto will do at the trade deadline. That's going to be another discussion for another day. <laughs> what do you uh, what do you think about
1: this deal for Detroit? Uh, do you think they got, probably could have got a little bit more for Derrick Rose? What do you think?
0: Um, I think so. I think they could definitely get something out of Derrick Rose considering the fact that some of the playoff contending teams like the Clippers and others have been heavily interested in a guy like Derrick Rose's caliber right so with that said I don't know if Detroit has something else up their sleeve because again they have a log jam of bigs and front court players I don't think they're done yet with trades I, I guess we'll see but that team is yeah. a mess. I don't know, man. When you're playing, when you're playing your three, four, five of Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, and Mason Plumlee, I don't know what Dwayne Casey is doing. And like I said, that's the sole reason why the Raptors have never made it over the hump. It's the inability to make adjustments as a coach, and being able to influence your front office to get the personnel you need to make things happen. And I don't think having three bigs is gonna propel you to a playoff spot, mind you, in the East. So. As for Detroit, a second round pick, I don't know what they can do with that really, but they desperately got to make moves to get another maybe a wing player or even some scoring from the backcourt in order for things to work out. Because I mean, that first round pick that they got, Killian Hayes, he, I believe he's hurt right now, right?
1: Yeah, they could have got Halliburton, man. Look how Halliburton's oh out there God. balling in Sacramento. Just another bad, just another bad uh, draft pick for the Pistons. That that front office is just brutal.
0: Yeah, so I mean it is what it is at the end of the day. So I guess we'll we'll see how things turn out. I mean there's still a lot of time from now to the trade deadline. So but yeah, that, that wraps up our run that segment. Our next segment, AO Moment of the Week. Ayo, what the f- So my AO moment comes from the collegiate level. <laughs> oh. I think you'll have an idea as to what it is once I start explaining it. But it was a game between Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech. And no, we're not talking about any glorifying basketball players or showstoppers. This moment comes from a post-game interview where a Pittsburgh player by the name of Odyssey Tony gets really graphic as to the details resulting from the debacle that has occurred early in the game. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to put my pride on the line and repeat what he said, but you can go ahead and listen to what this kid got to say. The teams that we got too comfortable and relaxed with, they just busted in our mouth. And we just had to eat that up and... Take it take it, in, uh, take it, on our chin and bounce back from- So from my end, this AO moment is self-explanatory. Actually, it, it's going to need another classic AO on this. AO, hey, what the f- With that said, these cats are obviously there for their skills on the court, but damn, there's got to be a better choice of words to express their struggles that they've endured over the last several games. That boy, that boy, that boy says- but the good thing is he secured the W, so there's that. What was your AO moment of the week?
1: I I'm, I'm I'm still kind of in shock at what we just listened to. Um uh, that was the most borderline press conference I think I've ever heard. Uh, my goodness. I mean wow, he painted himself a, a a picture. Oh boy. Um my AO moment of the week trying to, you know, recalibrate here is uh the one that kind of everyone has been thinking of as uh, Kevin Durant being pulled, you know, after the first quarter I think against the Raptors last week. Uh, during, yep. because of COVID tracing and because of their new rule. I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I know we've talked about this before, but how do you pull a guy after he's already started playing? Like, I know we had this whole thing about, oh my goodness, they can't be hugging after the game and dapping each other up. And despite the fact that they've been huffing and heaving on each other for 48 minutes. And now you've got a guy who literally just played the first quarter and they pulled him like, KD went on Twitter and was saying free KD, you know, free number seven, like NBA, no one is, you know, buying your BS PR tactics. Like what is going on? That's like, I was really shocked at, as to what happened. It just didn't make any sense to me. And it was really just a laughable moment for me. Whereas like, I really don't think the NBA has a grasp on what they're doing with this COVID policy. I think they're making it up as they go.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, I wonder how shook those Raptors players are knowing the fact that Katie played and he got pulled out so from the opponent side of you as me being a Toronto Raptors player it's like yo th- does this guy actually have COVID or not like the fact that he played and it now gets pulled and not playing for the rest of the game really gets me shook so I don't know like what's going on like you mentioned The NBA seems to not have a grasp on things when it comes to the COVID protocols. I mean, they did a very good job with the bubble, but I don't know. There's some kind of regression that's been going on with some of the efforts in terms of really solidifying um, how to prevent any health and safety hazards and protocols when it comes to COVID-19. Yeah, it was a pretty laughable moment, but at the end of the day, I, I watched the game and things got close pretty quickly, and I was kind of glad that the Raptors were able to secure the win, so... Very critical in the in the playoff race in the East.
1: I mean, you must have been happy about that. I mean, if if Katie was pulled, you know, after the first quarter of a game against, the Knicks, I would have been thrilled, despite the fact that you know their health is probably on the line. But I mean, I digress.
0: It didn't really uh, matter at that point on on the Raptors side because Katie did have five fouls, so it was just a matter of being aggressive as a Raptors player and try to draw that one on one with Katie and draw the foul and get him the hell out. So. Either way, he was either going to get fouled out or or otherwise. And again, he didn't really do much on the floor. And I, and I do understand it's because of the rhythm, right? You're taking out of your habit of your pregame rituals and things, and then you're automatically inserted into mid-game, right? So... With that said, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take everything I can get at this point, and the W's a W. So let's just hope that the NBA is able to get grasp as to what the COVID protocols will be, and we'll see where things go. All right, so that wraps up our A O moment of the week. Our next segment, games of the week. I love this games. <laughs> so my game of the week is actually occurring on Saturday, February thirteenth which again is a rematch of the season opener. And now we got James Harden in the mix. It is the Nets versus the Warriors. However, everyone seems to forget how lethal primetime Saturday stuff is. The Warriors are definitely making a positive turn this season so far as they're finally getting some big contributions from Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. Considering how inexistent the Nets defense is, we should be in for a show so looking forward to the nets and warriors how about you and con- considering considering how much smack
1: how much vitriol you talked about Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins in the beginning of the year and now here you are touting how they make this a primetime matchup
0: hmm, hmm. That, hey that well well i'm not i'm not really glorifying anything i'm just congratulating them on actually doing their jobs Right, the last co- <laughs> the last couple of games, or at least over the course of the season, they've been virtually non-existent. So, if it means that you know I'm giving them a round of applause for actually contributing, then so be it. We can call it glorifying then.
1: <laughs> oh man, your your fellow countrymen just letting him down, huh? Man, Shame. Andrew Wiggins is soft. I don't no, want to get into that. It, I, I, had... I can't
0: be negative anymore. It's a new <laughs> I'm year. I'm going to get into a rant. <laughs>
1: it's a new year. He's he's having a wonderful year. He's playing well on defense. I'm I'm excited for that game. Uh, the game I'm excited for, uh, it's a little bit different. Is on Friday, February 12th. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to see number one draft pick overall, uh, Anthony Edwards, going one on one against Lamelo Ball. Mm-hmm. Lamelo is really running away with this Rookie of the Year. Uh, I, I don't see anyone touching him at this point. I mean, you know, all you know, all things considered. You know, I I do love how quickly he's been playing, but he's just not going to get the minutes enough to win rookie of the year. Uh, You know, if you're looking at like a per 36, maybe, but LaMelo is getting the play in time. He's now starting. He's having highlight reel play after highlight replay. And not only that, he's he's being efficient. 34 points career high last week. I mean, this is the same guy who, you know, was just absolutely killing guys in, in Australia, killing guys in... Uh, you know, in Europe at 16 years old. And everyone was talking about, oh, you know, LaVar ball this, LaVar ball that. And they really overlooked the talent of this guy. This kid grew, had a huge growth spurt, changed his game up. He wasn't chucking it from half court like he was when he was, you know, a freshman, wasn't cherry picking. He's improved his game so much. He's the best ball brother right now, clearly by far. Uh, You know, once he becomes like a really stout defender, this guy could be one of the best point guards in the league, you know, while he plays. So I love watching him play. It's very fun to watch him play. Watching him against Anthony Edwards is going to be fun because Anthony Edwards is another guy who, if you give him enough time, if you give him enough minutes and give him enough plays, he will, you know, he'll really go off as we've seen thus far, you know, he's playing right now with D'Angelo Russell. So, you know, he's kind of give or take as to how much, you know, you know, run he really gets. Uh, but it's going to be a fun matchup to watch both of those guys go one-on-one. And they're always going to be forever linked. You know, when you go one and two, you're always going to remember the, these guys.
0: And without a doubt. The one thing I will say is never, ever, ever bet against BBB, big baller brand. You already know how it goes, man. Like, I man already already know that LaMelo Ball was going to be a problem. LaVar Ball has told us from time that LaMelo is going to be the real deal. With Lonzo, it's quite unfortunate, to say the least. I thought that he might be able to pick it's up from early. where he left off. I mean, like he did, he did start off the season quite hot, but he kind of cooled off and I don't know, maybe if he needed, he needs a change of scenery. Uh, I'm not too sure at this point. I don't know if it's mental, whatever the case may be, but anyway, I'm really excited for that uh, matchup between Anthony Edwards and Lamella Ball as the, as the one and three pick in the, this year's draft. And yeah, I mean, Lamella Ball has been hooping, like you said, I mean, 34 points, very efficient, and I feel like that picked off right when he was inserted into the starting lineup for the injured Terry Rozier. So I don't know if Charlotte is going to get into an awkward situation where they're going to have to figure out what they'll do with their starting rotation, whether mm. one of those guys will be traded, maybe a Terry Rozier trade to the Clippers rather. You know what I mean? There's a lot of endless Ooh. possibilities because they do have a, a pretty, I want to say decent backcourt, but they at least they have pieces to move around. So yeah. we'll definitely see.
1: Yeah, and let, I stand corrected. LaMelo Ball was the number three pick overall. Yes, I'm sorry, James Wiseman. I'll never forget that again. But the top two guards taken. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, we're looking forward to these two games, and uh, let's let's hope that we, that we see some crazy battles going on. So we'll go ahead to our last but finally not least blog boy talk. So all your blog boys and fan boys that's going to use everything I say and create an article yeah watch a basketball game how about you write that all right so our question that we receive is can the elite play of de'aaron fox propel the sacramento kings into the playoffs so i guess i'll start off with that you know what i'm gonna give kudos to de'aaron fox i mean i'm not gonna lie i wasn't very high on him and it's probably because of the fact that i was a big bbb guy aka lonzo you know they they came from the same draft I think they were number two and number four, respectively. I didn't think that De'Aaron Fox had what it takes to develop a respectable jump shot. But this year, not only did he improve from a shot perspective, he started to utilize the strengths much more efficiently uh, and more effectively, rather. Using his speed and his size to wreck havoc in the paint almost reminds me of a younger John Wall and his approach to the game. And he's been putting up monster numbers, to say the least, with this 36-point outing against a tough Clippers squad. Now... Again, I gave him his flowers, you know, he's been doing fine from a development standpoint as being a young star in this league, but that's the only thing he'll get from me at this point. In terms of the playoffs, I don't see the the Kings doing much really. Their roster is just very weird. I mean, they have odd players with some potential, and I don't know if there's untapped potential left, you got guys like Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, you got Harrison Barnes. You got a lot of these guys, I just don't know like what their identity is in terms of the Sacramento Kings roster, right? So, and obviously we do know that the Kings aren't the best in bringing out the best out of their players. Halliburton has been the odd man out in terms of his ability to produce right away being a top pick. So in terms of them making the playoffs, I'm not too sure. It might get a little cute for them to go into the play-in tournament, but as we're getting to the playoffs, I highly doubt it. But again. Kudos to what De'Aaron Fox is doing. He's definitely showing that he's worth the money that the Sacramento Kings have invested him in. And we'll see where things go. But I mean, sky's the limit for them. It's just a matter of just continuing on with consistency and hopefully building a roster that's better suited for De'Aaron Fox's skill set.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. Um, that, that John Wall comparison is actually a very good Comparison. He's he's very explosive, uh, getting to the basket, and he's he's very tough when he gets in there. You're right. That that roster it it, it just has a very weird makeup. Uh, there's a lot of guys there who high picks, high promising players, and you just don't know where everyone fits. Right. You know, you have Darren Fox and, and Buddy Hield, but now with the emergence of Tyrese Halliburton, is Buddy Hield still going to be there he still owed a lot of money you know does he fit you have Harrison Barnes there who you know had a very had a lot of promise when he was drafted out of UNC um and I guess because he started off his career with Golden State and was really a role player he's kind of fit into that 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 role really just to say the least where mm-hmm. he's, he's not he's not looked at to be the the top guy he's not even looked at to be the second guy anymore uh Marvin Bagley I mean, what can you say about Mark and ba- he's cursed. He's gonna be cursed forever because they took him over Luka Doncic. Uh he, he still I still think he has the potential to be a starting power forward. Uh I don't know what his ceiling is. Um, you know, his floor though seems very, very low, which might not bode well. At center, they're kinda it's like a hodgepodge of guys, you know, you have Rashawn Holmes, they re-signed Hassan Whiteside, uh Bialica. So it's a very weird makeup. And like we've talked about throughout this whole episode, the West is always and still is very, very competitive. Uh it's it's a it's a just an absolute dog fight out there. And it's it's gonna be hard to think that this team can can beat out uh, like a Portland Trailblazer or a, a Dallas Maverick or a, a New Orleans Pelicans. So, you know, they're playing well now. Uh I think. You know, they do have a lot more moves that they need to make to make that roster competitive. Uh, I commend him, Darren Frox, for 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 playing as well as he is, he player of the week this week. Um, so to get into the playoffs, it's it's pretty lofty though. Uh I I don't I don't see it this year. Um, they need some time for that backcourt to gel. They need to probably move Buddy Healed out of there and get some size and, and see see what they can do. The, the Kings have been a very bad franchise for a long time. They've been poorly managed, uh, poorly coached, and at some point it has to give, but I, I don't think it's now.
0: Yeah, and just based off the reputation alone, it's definitely a place that free agents will never look at. So they're, gonna, they're definitely going to have to figure out a way to get creative uh, within the trade market, of course, and bringing in any kind of help primarily on the wing or even the big to solidify that that core and, and then hopefully try to hit the draft. I think the one thing they really got to do is first, again, bring those pieces that can help the roster either through veterans or any kind of stars um, that they can acquire. And then number two, fire the development staff and bring in guys that can actually develop players. Because I feel like, like I mentioned, Halliburton and Fox, I feel are players that are anomalies in terms of, how fast they've developed but I feel like in general I don't think it's going to be something that the Sacramento Kings would try to make these players much more suitable for their likings
1: yeah agreed yeah that that team is not a free agent destination by any means if you're going to go out to California you're not going to go out to Sacramento Um, it's (laughs) not LA uh it's not even San Diego it's not even Anaheim so they got to build through the draft they got to build through trades uh they're heading in the positive direction, but I mean, when you're at the bottom, there's only one direction you can go is up. So uh, maybe not this year, but I mean, hey, they're heading there.
0: Yeah. I mean, as long as they can show some positivity in terms of where they're heading, that's all that really matters as a franchise. Absolutely. So with that said, that caps off our episode. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Game Point Pod on IG and Game Point Pod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms. Please add reviews if you can. That will be greatly appreciated. Is there anything you'd like to add, Yasin, before we end off?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just let me know if, uh, you know, you want this to become an ASMR podcast now. Um, If you guys want me to eat something on my microphone and chew some ice or something, holla at your boy.
0: Just let me know. It'll be the highest of quality just hearing that ice crumble. Highest of quality. (laughs) quality. (laughs) Highest of quality. Yep, and uh, I'm hoping once we do get our followers to 100 on Instagram, uh, I'm looking to do a contest, right? Make things more fun. As for the prize, we're going to keep that a secret. So if you have a chance, hit that follow button on IG, as well as hit that follow button on GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. That would be greatly appreciated, and then we'll see what we'll do with the contest. So stay tuned on that. Follow, follow. Yes, sir. So with that said, we'll end it off. That's game.